instead of going to make it first, the idea here is let's figure out if people want this product and let's figure out if there's specific things that they want about it or not want about it or things that they would like to see. Is your Amazon private label business set to survive the downturn? Most sellers don't know. Surviving a downturn means squeezing out more profits and slashing waste. But many sellers don't know exactly where their business is making or losing money. If that's you, we can help. Our new quick assessment helps you identify your biggest Amazon profit killer and what to do about it. For a quick but powerful diagnosis of your biggest issue, just go to amazonprofitquiz.com. That's Amazon Profit quiz.com to get your free instant analysis if you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode just go to amazingfba.com forward slash 415 welcome to the 10k collective podcast for six seven and eight figure amazon and e-commerce sellers part of the amazing fba podcast family if you want to scale fast target a seven-figure exit and enjoy the process then keep listening ladles and jelly spoons boys and girls welcome back to the 10k collective podcast for six seven and eight figure amazon private label and custom product sellers there's a specific niche for you. It's part of the amazing FBA family of podcasts for e-commerce sellers generally. And today we are talking to Vance Lee from Playground Theory. Welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for coming back. Yeah, thanks for having me. We're going to talk today. You're an expert, obviously, in pre-orders and crowdfunding over at Playground Theory. And you've helped a lot of people raise a lot of money and you've raised a lot of money for your own products. But today we're going to talk about a bit more of a nitty gritty thing, which is product validation. Why does that matter? And how do you go about that? Yeah, that, this is a really good question. And I think a question that's not asked, uh, asked well enough because as Amazon sellers, we just do a little bit of keyword research and then we just copy the product. <laughs> or in the, in the olden days, the simple Amazon model was just to put a logo on it and put some, change the packaging and you're good to go. So there's not a lot of questions about whether or not a product needs to be validated. Nowadays, we recognize the importance of creating products that are going to be a little bit more unique or a little bit more defensible or improving or upgrading products. And then sometimes we even have ideas for products that are not, not exactly what other people are searching for. And so in a lot of the situations, when we're investing money into modifying the products, it might require a little bit of extra effort in terms of time. It might require maybe something that you work with your supplier on, a mold or otherwise. When we do this, I think it's really important for us to make sure that before we invest our resources, whether it's time, money, effort, emotional excitement, whatever it is that we do a little bit of work to validate that first, because it, otherwise it's going to cost us a lot of, a lot of potential resources, whether you look at that in terms of time or resources or, or energy and validating a product allows you to know that people want the product before you invest a lot of money into doing that, making the product, buying the inventory, and then putting it up there. Wouldn't it be good to know that people want it before you go ahead and go through the trouble of making it, right? So that's, in short, that's the value of validating a product. Yeah. And in a way, if we took our blinkers off from the traditional, as I say, Amazon private label process, which I was certainly trained in when I started in 2014, and many people still follow it as a model now. Yes, maybe they've updated it to be 
get an existing product and tweak it slightly, but they'll probably do things like look at some Amazon reviews and we can talk about that. But that's not the same as validating, right? Before you go and order 4,000 units or whatever it may be. And that still feels to me, there's a very risky business model that people are running. On, on the other hand, if you take your blinkers off and you've been listening to any podcasts about internet marketing ever, then you'll have heard about a minimum viable product and that people actually tend to try and launch things in stages and make sure that people actually want it before you scale it up. So nail it and scale it is the cliche or there's, he's the guy who said there's before product market fit and there's after, right? Andreessen or some venture capitalist, I believe. And I'm, you've absolutely nailed it there. I think it's for me. The single riskiest thing that I see people doing in the Amazon sort of product sphere is launching without validation. Okay. So we bang people on the head of why it's important. Let's just define it a little bit more closely. What do you actually mean by validation? How would you say, yeah, this product is validated. Let's scale this. What does that mean for you? Sure. Assume that people have listened to our other conversation with pre-orders and in the context of getting feedback, but the idea with, and that's one of the benefits of pre-orders is that you're getting the orders upfront for for customers that know they want your product before you actually place the order with your manufacturer for inventory. If you haven't listened to that podcast, definitely go back to, to check that one out to get the context about pre-orders and how that can actually be a great way to, to mitigate some of this risk. But when it comes to validation, I think the idea here, there's many different things that you can validate. So let's assume that you have a product of, let's say it's an interesting, I can use one of my own examples, a coffee glass that enhances the way that coffee smell, smell and taste. That sounds like it's a woo-woo thing that doesn't necessarily work. It sounds like it's all marketing. Actually, it's a, it works. But the idea here is if I wanted to make something like this and you have an idea in your niche that you want to improve, like maybe a pet product or a, a kitchenware product, instead of going to make it first, the idea here is let's figure out if people want this product and let's figure out if there's specific things that they want about it or not want about it or things that they would like to see. So the idea here is getting feedback from customers about the product that you're going to make. And it could be in the form of, yes, I want this. If your product is like, hey, it's very specific and you know what you want to make. Or it could be in the form of, hey, I want to make this product and it has these three or five features. Which one of these is most important to you or what is most valuable to you as a customer that is interested in this product category? There's a lot of few, a lot of things that you can validate, but the idea here with validation is getting feedback about what it is that you're going to create in order for you to make correct decision to go forward. I like that. And I remember, I'm old enough to remember when product research mostly meant people phoning you up or stopping on the high street and saying, hi, can I talk to you about a product? And you always felt like they were going to sell you something, but actually down the line, 12 months down the line, they were, but at that point, they genuinely actually wanted your opinion because that was their way, as you say, to find out what the market wants and de-risk creating a product. They don't miss being, I guess, you spend a lot of money on a product that nobody wants to buy, right? In other words, again, for those who might, like myself lived in the Amazon bubble for too long, the word market research tends to mean something passive like Google keyword research if you're really thinking outside the box or just mostly <laughs> Amazon product re keyword research and looking at everyone on Amazon. But what it doesn't mean is talking to people and interacting, getting feedback and what you're talking about is a more interactive process. So yeah. I guess that brings in the next question for me, which I, I makes utter sense what you're saying. But how do we find these people in the first place? I guess we've talked about that with a different slant on it for how do you find people to build an audience to launch, but we're talking even earlier stages, aren't we? How do we even find people to even ask their opinion of? That's a great question. And I think before we answer this question, it would be good to ask the question of why do we care about this? Why do we first of all want to create some, some connection with an audience or why do we care about innovating on products? And I think it might go without saying, but I think it might be also good to point out that 
nowadays to be competitive, a lot of people are improving their products. It's no longer private label, change the logo and it's good to go. How can we create something that's defensible if we're going to invest money into launching a product and the time and effort it takes to do that? So a lot of the people that I work are, they're not necessarily creating something that's completely new inventions. They might be creating a product that is a variation of something that exists. And the idea here is how can I target this to a different audience? Or how can I improve it so that it's not only fulfills the primary function, but fulfills a secondary function, but charge 50% more. And at that point, it might be validating not only the function of the product, but the price point of the product so that it could be selling for more. And this creates a product that nobody else out there is selling. And maybe it's not actually that much more effort if it's something that is in a category where the manufacturers are pretty flexible. I don't want people to think that to create a unique product, it means that it's something it's outside of their realm of possibility. Because a lot of people that I work with, they just had an idea. And when they talked to their suppliers about it and they said, hey, could you do this? A lot of suppliers are like, hey, yeah, that's no problem. It's pretty easy to do. And it allows for you to create something that is going to set your business apart and a product that's defensible for who knows how long compared to just launching a product by changing the packaging. So I think that's, uh, I want to set that context because we might lose some people here when they think, okay, we're going to make a custom product or something that's different outside of the context of a very simple private label decision. That's that. I think that's why somebody would want to do this. And in order for us to to go about the process of doing this, one of the favorite one of the favorite questions I like to ask and answer in response to what you you're curious about is how do we find these people? And so the number one question I like to ask is um, where do your customers hang out, or where do your ideal future customers hang out? So if you're making a copy product for for people that are making copy at home, then you're probably not looking for people that are buying coffee from Starbucks every day. You're looking for people that might be a part of certain groups that are passionate about making coffee at home, because that would be a requirement for buying your product. The question is, where do these people hang out? And in the online world, you'll find a lot of different types of groups or forums or different types of websites. We like to use Facebook groups. It's a really easy way to access a lot of different potential target customers. You'll find a Facebook group out there for everything. But if not, you'll find different forums or Reddit communities online where people are talking about those types of topics. And that's a really great way to not have to start from scratch because you've already, those people have self-identified as people that care about, for example, there's a home baristas group. So these are people that just threw copy and hope. You're going to be able to find those people there. So if it's pet lovers, for example, we have a, we have a member of our community or our He's building a cat product. So he's looking in the cat groups and where people are sharing cat memes or talking about how to take care of their cats and cat products. And now he's built his own, but he started with, with looking at those categories where, where people in that niche hang out. And that's the starting point of being able to find those people. And, and of course, outside of the online world, you can actually find live meetups as well. I know it's uh, the crazy idea to, to interact with people in real life. But there's lots of massive in-person groups. For example, meetups. That's a massive community of people that care about certain topics. If that's relevant to you, if you're doing a certain, maybe a sporting good or something like that, or anything that allows for a community to meet up and talk about it, there's a lot of different people in those uh, in those worlds as well. Great. So we found our audiences. So an important side note is that we are tapping into existing groups rather than trying to create our own initially. And then over time, you can create your own if there's enough traction. So then the question comes, okay, you join somebody's group, maybe you ask a few questions, but at some point, a bit like my nervousness around the traditional marketing guy on the street saying, can I take five minutes of your time? Normally the answer is no, because I'm busy. But yeah. even if you got time, you normally are going to be a bit nervous about something pitching. You always think like, why should I help you? So how do we overcome that resistance? How do we start that conversation in a way that's helpful? We say, I've got an idea for a product. Here are five potential features. Which one would interest you? Yeah, most? Yeah. 
how do we do that in a way that doesn't annoy or alienate those communities? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think the simple way to do this is just to be really authentic. And we found that the less, the less you're trying to sneak, be sneaky about it, the more likely people are going to respond well to it. The approach we often take is just to say, Hey, I'm creating this product and I'm creating a copy product that I think coffee lovers like you will. I noticed that you're in this group and that I assume that you like copy. Would you, is this a product category that you'd be interested in? Or what do you think about this product that for coffee lovers? Would you be curious about this if this was presented to you? Some type of question that allows them to, you're not going to send them a 20 minute survey. When you're going to sit, you're going to start having a conversation in a casual way as in a way that you would have with somebody that you think would be interested in your product and a category or niche. So that's usually the best way to start and be really authentic about it. I'm the founder of this company and I'm doing this. And we find that is obviously not everybody's going to say yes, but this is a, this is a really good way to get past a lot of the people that are going to be, like you said, if they're going to already have to garn up, the best way to do this is to be honest and direct with what you're looking to engage them with. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, tell me about the owners. So Facebook groups aren't a thing that just exists without somebody making a decision to create one. Somebody has to be the admin or the creator of the group. So how do you deal with approaching the owners of the groups? You just plunge into the group as a member and then just start saying this stuff? Or do you have a conversation with the admin first? Or how do you deal? Uh, it depends. It depends on your situation. If it seems like it's a really strict group and, uh, and the admin is constantly posting and, uh, and banging people from the group, maybe you want to talk to them first. But in a lot of situations, you can just direct engage. You can post something in the group either directly and just say, Hey, this is what I'm, this is what I'm working on. Or you can post something that's related to your topic to see who could, who responds. And those people are going to be clearly people that are interested. You can start engaging the group. One thing that we eventually do is we create engagement posts within the group and anybody that responds to those engagement posts are clearly going to be people interested in our product category. And we can actually respond to them in, in, in the comment section, or maybe say, Hey, I'm going to shoot you a DM if that's okay with you. And just start engaging with them in that way. And I think the most important thing here is just to be authentic with it and not uh, and not sneaky or sleazy. People just are generally respond a lot better when they when you're upfront with them what you're asking for. Great. And so you're asking upfront questions. So then, what's the next stage in the process? So you're getting people engaged in a conversation. Tell me about the next sort of steps in actually getting from the sort of vague starting point, finding the people, getting engagement to having a yeah. really strong validation. Set. Yeah. So we use something called the five question survey. That's a part of our process of, of getting some feedback from our ideal future customers. And within the five question survey, we're going to want to ask questions that are most helpful for us at that stage. So the assumption is that we're engaging with people that are, that care about this product category. Not everybody's going to be excited to respond to these messages, but some people are. And those are the people that you want. And the idea here is once they've engaged and they're positively responding to your messages, we send them this mini survey that's five questions. We tell them it's just a multiple choice survey that's going to take three minutes or a couple of minutes of their time. And this is where we ask the important questions that we need to make decisions on. For example, if we're trying to make a decision between five to, first of all, if we don't know if this product is a good idea, maybe we want to ask that first. And will you buy a coffee glass that makes your coffee smell and taste better? Will you buy this kitchen tool that does this and this other thing from this other kitchen tool, two in one? That, that type of question to validate the concept. So if you're at that stage, that's the type of question that you want to ask. If you're at a later stage where you're, you've developed the product and you're thinking, is it, um, is this feature important or is this other feature or should I include all these things? Maybe that's the type of question that you want to ask. So again, this is going to be very dependent on the stage that you're at. That's going to be most helpful for you to get feedback in that context. And if you're very far along, maybe this is for a separate, this is a little bit later on, but the idea here is if you're pretty clear about the product and you've already gotten feedback, you can also get feedback. 
If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash four one five on product positioning. So this isn't necessarily about the physical product and the features anymore, but it's about how to present the product. It's about which, what's the best way to sell it. What's the, what's the most appealing tagline? What is the best photo? All these types of things that allow you to actually get a real upper hand because you're getting feedback directly from customers. So I know a lot of people nowadays are using things like PicFu and those things I find a little bit odd because you don't really know who's answering these questions about, hey, I like this photo or I like this. Here, if you're engaging with ideal future customers, you actually know that it's an actual customer that cares about a potential customer in your category that care about this, uh, this product category. So their feedback is generally a little bit more valuable in this context. Yeah, that makes sense. PicFu I've used and I think anything any form of, mm, I was about to say any form of feedback is better than nothing. That's probably not true if it gives you a, a, an incorrect steer, actually, is it? But you make a good point that you need your actual person who could potentially end up buying your product to be telling you what they think, not some random person. But this is really good. I like this a lot. And I can immediately hear in my mind the people going, oh, we're back to marketing. Thank God. You know, how do I present my marketing? Which is the best tagline? Which is the best photo? It's a nice mechanistic question. But obviously... What you're really asking is to challenge your idea that I think there's a market for X and we'll fall in love with our own ideas. And we have to as entrepreneurs, that's essential. But on the other hand, we need to be willing to ask other people whether they share your passion. Do you, are you the only person in the world that wants a coffee glass that makes your coffee smell and taste better, for example? And we've all seen those shark tank things where somebody comes up with something and the shark's just looking at it, yeah, but nobody cares about that. And they'd be wrong, but... That person hasn't talked to anybody before they decided to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on it. (laughs) Exactly. And the thing is that we all laugh because that sounds so obvious. And they're always the TV guys. I've worked in a tiny bit of reality TV programs in the past for various reasons. And it's as constructed as a soap opera, I can tell you. But on the other hand, they pick those guys because they make us laugh. But then when we look at our own behaviors, as Amazon sellers, I think hand on heart, a lot of us have done that. So I think this is an incredibly important thing to do. So having said that, so... Vance, this all sounds like very good common sense. If you're a marketer, I guess common sense isn't common, but it's an excellent process. It makes sense. And yet I have tried to take people through similar processes in the past and people tend to not do it because it's a lot of work. So how can we, what are the blocks that people put in their way, sellers put in their way from doing this or how do people screw this up? So what mistakes do we need to avoid in this process? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And I think you make a really good point. Some people will look at this and they say, hey, this is a lot of work. And I think it's important for us to recognize that what is the alternative? And the alternative is we go through a process, we have an idea for a product and we decide, hey, we want to launch this. And we go pay for the prototype, we pay for the mold, we order 3,000 units of this inventory and then we start trying to sell it. And this could be, who knows, 20,000, it could be $50,000 or more. And in a lot of situations, it actually makes a lot of sense to do this because the benefit is, is potentially far outweighing the cost of doing it. So I think people need to see the value of doing this first rather than just, hey, this is going to be a lot of effort or and often it's not really that much effort. It's just like in their mind, this is going to be a thing that's more than just, just the standard process. But the idea is if they see the value in this, they're going to, they're going to want to commit to the process because they see the benefit. The other benefit of doing this is, is if you do decide to go with the pre-order launch model, what you're doing with this process is you're able to actually build an audience of people that care about what you're, what you're doing. So it, they know about you, they know about that you're creating this product. And so that while you're getting this feedback and you're getting this validation, at the same time, you're building a community, you're building an audience of people that care about you. And these are going to be the people that are going to be your future customers. So you're getting not only validation, but at the same time, you're getting 
a community of people that care, that know what you're doing and that because they're participating in this, they feel a lot more invested in what you're doing. This is, I use the analogy of there's a friend that asks you for help and they ask you, Hey, I want to start this business. What do you think about this logo? What do you think about this name? And when this friend decides to finally launch your business a year later, you're much more likely to help this person rather than the friend, the somebody who is, Hey, I'm launching my, I'm going live tomorrow. Can you help me share this? Which friend are you more likely to help? In that situation, we look at building relationships with these people as a really good way to support your launches as well. And again, if you're doing pre-orders, this is such an amazing way to, to take advantage of this model. That's why somebody wanted to do this is to first of all, change the context around this so that they see this as something that's contributing value to their, to their launch rather than something that's just sucking up their time. And the, that, that's one of the ways to make this really effective is that you see the benefit of doing this and you contextualize it as something that's contributing positively to the business. And the opposite would be just to really just not do it, really not put in the effort, not be really authentic about it when it comes to connecting with your audience. The whole point of this is to do it authentically and come from a place of saying, hey, I want your help. I know you care about this category. Are you interested in participating and getting involved? Yeah, I like this. So just to summarize, first of all, yes, it is a lot of work, but think about the alternative. So in other words, spending tens of thousands of dollars or something that doesn't sell. And I've seen that so many times I, I could... I can't, I've lost count. So that's absolutely a real possibility. Secondly, it's not that hard. I guess what you're saying is you're building an audience by asking intelligent questions and engaging the communities. And also there's got a huge upside in terms of how engaged people are, getting a better launch and all the other sort of pre-order benefits that you've got. I guess what you're saying is this is incredibly worthwhile. Do the work. I'm summarizing here and I would back you to Hill on the importance of doing this stuff. Look, this is great stuff and obviously ties in very neatly with what you do with your pre-order work. I guess it's one of the sort of, if you like, a fringe benefit that's actually really critical. Is that the right way of putting it? Correct me here. Where am I going wrong? A fringe benefit of the actual pre-orders, you mean? Yes, exactly. So fringe benefit of pre-orders, if you're very marketing focused, is actually that you on the way validate the product. I would argue that validation is more important than the pre-order, but I guess there's a lot of good things going on here. Vance, obviously your main business isn't just helping people validate their product, although it's incredibly important. And thank you for taking the time for walking us through why it matters and how to do it. But you obviously help people to get pre-orders. So not just getting validation in terms of people saying they'd like stuff, but people actually paying you money, which is the ultimate invalidation, right? Got somebody who believes in you when they actually pay you money. So tell us a little bit more about what you do over there at uh, Grand Theory. Yeah, at Playground Theory, we help people that want to launch their products do so in, a, in following the pre-order method. So the idea here is, as opposed to purchasing your inventory up front and investing all that cash up front, not knowing what's going to happen when you invest the cash and you have the inventory in your hands, the goal is to flip this model upside down and start with launching. Campaign There is we campaign allows you to say, hey, do you want your And the idea for customers is that if they like this, if they like the product that's being presented to them, they can place a pre-order for that product. And that means that they're putting their cash down saying, hey, yes, I want to buy this product. And the benefit here is that you're able to get the funding before you invest any money into the inventory. So this is a really interesting to selling that flips the e-commerce model upside down. So really we support sellers through this process of all the way from product conception, all the way to launching the product. And then afterwards taking this and scaling this to whatever platform of your choice. This doesn't replace Amazon, Fire, or any of these other platforms. The way of launching 
that's more intelligent before going to Amazon or a Shopify or wherever you're going to sell afterward. We support people in this process of running pre-order campaigns in order to maximize their cash flow and make risk and solid brand through building these. Amazing. So it's like a really broad and thought through process that goes from the very early stages to the very late stages, rather than just being just at one point of the process. Oh, that sounds very valuable to me. Tell me a little bit about who this is for. So you mentioned Shopify, Amazon. So it's presumably not just for people who are selling Amazon. So who else can you help? Yeah. So if you're considering the pre-order launch model, generally people that consider this are actually all across the range of spectrum from beginner sellers all the way to people that have launched dozens of products. And people will do it for different reasons. But anybody who has a desire to improve their cash flow and build an audience or grow their brand, if you're an advanced seller, even if you've launched a dozen products, you'll realize that cash flow is still a challenge. So if you want to improve your cash flow, get cash up front and not have the risk of, um, of, of investing in inventory first, this is for you. If you're a new seller and you're exploring the idea of launching products or you've launched one or two products, but you want to scale and you want to minimize risk, this is also for you as well. It's. It depends on your situation, but really the idea here is as long as you're interested in, in improving your cash flow and using this as a process to build an audience and build a brand that will help you scale your business, then this, this is for you. Excellent. And I know you've got a couple of things that you can do for people who want a bit of help. So what is it you offer free stuff that, that people can use? Absolutely. We have a few freebies for anyone listening to the podcast now. And the first one is for anybody you can visit, we'll give you in a second, and you can opt into our free video training series. And it includes a few checklists that allow you to understand what goes into preparing for a pre-order launch campaign. And at the same time, if you're further along the process and you know that you want to execute a pre-order launch and you have a product that you're working on, we are offering a few free strategy sessions where you can come jump on a call with myself or my business partner, Johnny, and we'll give you feedback on the product and whether or not the product can work for the pre-order launch model. And that's, that's what we're offering. Yeah. It sounds really useful. Just to be clear, you got the three, three part video series with worksheets and the possibility of booking a mini strategy session with you, which I would advise anyone who's taking this half seriously to do. You can get free advice from an expert is always worth having. You just go to amazingfba.com forward slash playground. That's amazing. F for Freddie, B for Bertie, A for alpha.com forward slash playground. If you want to get that intro series. Um, I love this thinking answer. The product validation piece is an unsexy, hard piece of work that most people skip because it's hard and then they're taking huge financial risk. And I just think this is the intelligent approach, whether or not you use crowd, getting paid up front is also an incredible way of de-risking things. So those are two basic business strategies that I think people shouldn't fall into the trap of thinking, I don't want to use Kickstarter. Therefore, this is not valid. I think all this stuff is just basic business strategy that you've rediscovered and repackaged for people, I think. So really important conversation. Thank you so much for talking us through that. Is there anything else I haven't talked to you about that we should talk about with product validation? I think just to emphasize the point of th this is not a separate process from a product launch. If you want to do a great job in launching your product and you want to be able to take advantage of some of these interesting things that we talked about with free orders, being able to execute something like this is really going to add a lot of value to your launch, but also the long-term success of your business through building an audience and building a community. So all these types of things are going to be super crucial and these don't replace your current launch strategies on Amazon or if you scale to multiple platforms. This is just a smarter way to launch first 
they'll allow you to have take advantage of the benefits of all these these different elements of pre-orders that can offer and then you can scale assets and everything that you have ready this just becomes a nice little bit of an add-on to your strategy that might be able to give you that edge you need to be successful in your business and scale your brand a lot faster that's uh, i think that's uh, i think that's fantastic really great final thought so just remains for me to say vance lee from playground theory thank you so much for coming on the show thanks michael appreciate it if you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode just go to amazingfba.com forward slash 415 thanks for listening to the 10k collective podcast for six and seven figure amazon sellers i really hope you found the show helpful to you please don't forget to subscribe to the show and if you're on apple podcasts please do leave us a quick star rating It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.